Good afternoon and welcome to Purdue University and the Serious Computer Security Seminar. Our speaker today is Mumurthy Murugesan. He's a PhD candidate uh, working with Professor Chris Clifton. His topic today will be providing privacy through plausibly deniable search. Oh, thanks, Randy, for the introduction. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm a PhD student, and as Randy said, in the computer science department. Here I work with uh, Professor Chris Clifton. Uh, in today's seminar, I'm going to talk about uh, web search privacy, you know, how to provide users uh, privacy in web search uh, with a technique called plausibly deniable search. Okay, before we start, I w uh, this small piece of uh, a news article uh, says what Google does with the uh, uh, search queries it collects over time, and does it combine the query logs with other information it has on you. So this is uh, just to show that there's a concern among the public about web search privacy. Okay, in August 2006, AOL, you know, American uh, online company, released the web searches of its customers uh, for basically research studies. You know, the query log that, that they made public um, had almost two, 20 million queries of uh, 650K unique users. So the anonymization they did was to replace the user ID with a random number. Okay, that's what they did, and the query log contained in a timestamp and actual uh, actual user query and also the URL they clicked uh, after getting the results. It happened that the anonymization they did was not sufficient. A New York Times reporter was able to successfully identify an individual who issued these queries. And some of the queries uh, you know, included 60 single men and landscapers in a uh, particular area in Georgia, uh, Georgia. And also, other queries included uh, many specific information so that that particular individual was you know, identified, this, uh, identified by this reporter. What happened after that? It was an unfortunate inf inf incident, but it also uh, created a lot of awareness about uh, web search privacy and uh, the AOL fired the CTO uh, because of this issue, and two researchers were forced out because of this problem. Okay, so what are the two approaches to uh, handle uh, web search privacy nowadays? So one is through server control privacy. You know, the Google or Yahoo is taking care of uh, the privacy of uh, web search queries. So the first type, the search engine promises that, okay, I'll delete your queries after some time, or I'll anonymize the query log before backing up, you know, after nine months, after 12 months, uh, etc. Uh, this is the normal procedure uh, followed by uh, companies such as Google, Yahoo these days. And the other option is to use private information retrieval in which the server search engine uh, will not know what exactly you're searching for. But what's the problem with that? It will affect the... Uh, advertisement business model we have today and okay this solution is not going to work okay so and also we know that the search engines you know they want to keep the query logs for a long time right that's what they are doing and uh, so the that's what uh, it's making uh, some of these uh, solutions uh, not practical okay the other type of solutions involve uh, the user control privacy, in which the users will use these tools 
so that their privacy is protected. So there are a couple of tools uh, available nowadays. One is the uh, private web search uh, from uh, Yale University. It provides a complete package to uh, block any metadata that is sent to the search engine nowadays. For example, you get your results and you click on a particular URL that you want to see. Uh, that information is sent back to the search engine and if you use this tool, uh, that kind of uh, you know, extra information that is sent to the search engine will be uh, blocked. So they will, and also uh, using such um, techniques such as onion routing, you can hide your actual IP address from the search engine. The second tool that is available, uh, which is known as TrackMeNot, it's a Firefox uh, plugin that you can install in your machine. It's going to send out random queries every once in a while, so that the search engines will not be able to figure out, okay, what the actual queries are, what, what the actual user queries are. Uh, it, the idea used here is to you know, use uh, uh, news headlines uh, using RSS feeds and other famous queries. You know, Kobe Bryant is a you know, common query. Some of these search uh, queries will be used as seed queries to construct other queries also. So the idea is that uh, the search engine will not know what uh, the actual user queries are. That's what they want to prevent here. So what are the what is the problem here? You know, you're still are releasing your own uh, one query. The actual user query is still released to the search engine. That means your your uh, user the user intent is also revealed to the search engine. Okay. So what are the lessons learned here? The information contained in the queries itself, you know, they they are enough to identify the user. For example, ego surfing, searching for your own name, you know. A lot of us want to find out how famous we are, right? So we search our own name to see how many pages we are, etc. And also looks like people search for SSN numbers and uh, credit card numbers. And also you, how many times you have issued a search in you know, Pizza Hut and West Lafayette. You might have done it a lot of times. And this applies to medical condition, you know, some of the diseases you search for, and also you know, many other details that you release in search engines are inherently they can be used for identifying the individual. The second lesson uh, learned is the uh, fact that the query transformation, you know, the transform the given query to something else so that you get what you want. It's not going to give you uh, the privacy that uh, you want. Okay, so what are the privacy issues here in web search? One is uh, the identifiability. So I give you a query log. Can you identify the individual who issued these queries? That's the first question. You know, uh, who issued these queries? And you can say, okay, this is John Smith, and uh, I know this is Mumurti Murugesan because he searched for his name you know, several times uh, over six months, right? So that's an identifiability question. Second question is linkability. The use of tools such as TrackMeNot, you know, you send random queries from your machine, and uh, that leads to a situation in which the search engine doesn't know or oh, this query belongs to Mumurti or does it is it a random query right so you have a situation in which you have you have to map a query to the individual or to a particular identity so here in this in this scenario we're asking which queries were actually issued by John Smith okay this techniques that uh, I'm going to explain today is going to protect uh, uh, the users from the first problem, uh, the, the linkability, that's the main issue that we're going to deal with. 
And also you have to realize that this is going to affect the identifiability, the first issue also. Okay, so okay, so let's move on to the uh, main technique now. Plausibly deniable search. As you can see there are two terms involved, and deniability. So the users are going to submit not one query, k queries. And we have one more property that, uh, which is called a reversible property, in which any of the k queries is going to give you the same uh, set that you submitted. So you're going to submit k queries, and any of the k queries will give you, uh, would have produced the same uh, query set. The additional queries that are included as part of your search query uh, are known as cover queries. You know, your or, or masking queries. And also we make sure, the way we build this uh, query set, we, have, we make sure that these extra queries, the cover queries are from different topics, not on the same topic that uh, you are issuing the, your original query belongs to. Okay, second property is the plausibility. Okay, I'm going to issue not one query, you know, K queries, but what happens if all my other queries, the, the cover queries are implausible? You know, for example, Java compiler and Newton Apple. Okay, these are two queries that I'm going to submit to search engine. But uh, what about Java compiler and Motorola table? The second query, the Motorola table, looks like completely, you know, randomly generated query, right? So the implausible queries will weaken your uh, deniability argument. So in this Java compiler Motorola table example, the, you know, anyone uh, who looks at these uh, two queries will say, okay, Motorola table is out of the question. Only Java compiler is actual query. So we need, whenever, you know, when you submit uh, these K queries, we need to have this plausible argument across all the queries. So they sh the queries should be equally plausible. Okay, so this is a setup, you know, what happens in the plausible enable search. Uh, the user, uh, original query is Q3, and the user is generating this set of K queries. The set of queries are you know, submitted to the uh, search engine and we call this set as a PD query set, a plausible deniable search uh, query set. Okay, once the search engine has the K queries, it could say, okay, I know you search for Q2. Okay, that's a claim by the search engine. But you can say, no, I could have searched for Q1. Why? Because if I use the plausible deniable search, the Q1 also gives me the same set, Q1 to QK which gives you the deniability argument. You can deny issuing any of the queries there in the, in the set. And also, we have the property that all the queries are plausible user queries, you know, the plausibility argument. Okay, so now, now we look at what are the characteristics of uh, the K queries in that uh, you know, PDS system. So the first criteria is that, you know, we want each query in the, uh, in the PD query set to be a standard query. Okay, if I if I if you allow the user to you know, create any possible queries, you know the spelling mistakes or the way you construct the queries will automatically lead to uh, a situation in which okay, one query will stand out from all the other queries. So you want to have you want to have each query to be a standard query. So that is the standardization we do before <laughs> creating the set. The second is that deniability argument for any query in the you know, in the set of K queries, we should be able to get the reversibility. Any one of the K queries should be able to generate the same set, which will be issued to the uh, search engine. Okay. Third criteria is the plausibility and uh, 
uh, uh, diverse topics. So if what my one of my queries related to basketball and uh, you know the rest of the queries are also related to basketball, then there is no reason you are uh, you have to use this uh, technique, right? Because all the queries on the same topic. So you need to have the uh, diverse topic criteria. Uh, so all the K queries should be on different topics. Okay. So this uh, shows the steps in this uh, PDS system. The first step, you create set of standard queries from a collection of documents. And the second step, you create this uh, PD query sets uh, based on the criteria we have defined. You know, the query should be uh, you know, deniable, reversible property and also the possible uh, property. The third step, what do you do when, when a user, an ordinary user, wants to issue a query, you know, what do you do? Uh, so that, that, that's the final step we'll talk about later. Okay, the first step, creating canonical queries. Okay, so what are these canonical queries? Okay, these are the standard queries issued in place of uh, the actual user queries. For example, uh, basketball, NBA, or you know, USA basketball could be replaced by a common query, you know, more general query basketball. And also queries such as Purdue Computer Science and Purdue Statistics could be you know, replaced by a Purdue Computer Science Statistics. So the canonical queries serve two purposes. One is that they do not reveal the actual query. You know, they provide one level of anonymization. And second is that they, they replace the original query with a more related, you know, semantically related query. Uh, for example, you know, basketball MBA I should replace with basketball, uh, not baseball, right? You know, I want a similar query. And that's what uh, the canonical query should achieve because, you know, you, because you need to provide the users with the results uh, they want, right? Okay, the f now the question is, you know, how do you create uh, all possible canonical queries from a document collection, right? Because what we're saying here is that we pre-compute all these possible queries and how do you do it? Okay, um, let's say we have a document collection, uh, M documents, and uh, from the document collection we create this uh, you know, list of terms. Uh, in terms. And with that, we can also create this term document matrix uh, where each entry, you know, A, A, J is the frequency of term I in document J. Okay, from w once we have the list of terms, we can you know, create this power set of this uh, uh, term set to create all the possible queries, right? That's a kind of a obvious way, but which is not going to work because for large n, it is impossible to create all possible queries. Okay, the way we create this uh, canonical query is by computing set of seed queries. You know, what are these seed queries? Basically, they are, uh, you know, term, single terms or term pairs that occur in the document collection more than delta times. You know, we can, uh, delta could be 500 or, or 1000 depending on, you know, your construction criteria. So what we are saying is that, okay, I, I, I know these single terms and these term, uh, per of terms occur more than 500 times in the document collection. That means they are significant to, uh, you know, significant terms in the, in the collection itself, right, because they occur more frequently. So this, uh, to find the frequent terms, we can use uh, uh, tools such as frequent pattern mining, which are very efficient on the, do on the term document metrics. Uh, 
for example, you know, frequency of IBM could be uh, either document collection could be occurring more than delta times, and also IBM DB2 because DB2 is a product from IBM and uh, jointly occur more than uh, delta times. And also, you know, single terms and you know, the document per the term pairs are not sufficient to represent all possible uh, user queries. So what we do, you know, once we have the single terms and uh, term pairs, we use a latent semantic indexing to, you know, kind of combine together the semantically similar uh, seed queries to form the canonical queries. Okay, so if you don't know about latent semantic indexing, um, I'll just give a brief introduction here and then move back to the canonical queries construction. It's claimed that you know it, uh, the latent semantic indexing is used by you know search engines such as Google these days, so it's an important IR technique. Okay, basically it's it's commonly used in IR to uh, create concepts, you know, concepts as, as in, uh, topics uh, from a document collection, so e so that terms and documents are related to set of uh, topics or concepts. So the way it is done is used by uh, by using a singular value decomposition. Uh, basically, you uh, decompose the uh, term document matrix to three different matrices, so that you know, the product of these uh, gives you a. So the matrix U here uh, gives you the uh, uh, relation between terms to concepts or terms to topics, and also the matrix V gives you the relation between concepts to documents. And instead of keeping, you know, if you look at the uh, size of U, it's uh, n across n, but if you just keep uh, R columns there, it gives you a representation, basically a concept space, which we can you know, represent the terms in a concert space, concert space with uh, using only R dimensions instead of you know, M dimensions. So it's a dimensionality reduction. Also, it gives you a way to represent uh, the terms in a topic space. So once you have the representation, you can compare uh, topics of terms in this uh, semantic space. Okay. Now, so we have a way of converting you know, queries to points in the semantic space using this equation. And also note that uh, the number of dimensions here is yeah, R, uh, which, is which is very less compared to M, you know, the number of uh, documents. Okay, let's go back to the canonical query const construction. So we have the set of seed queries, um, and you want to create this, uh, you know, canonical queries. So for each seed query, you find the other, uh, you know, two closest uh, uh, seed queries in the semantic space. Basically, what you're saying is that uh, take a seed query, and what are the other two uh, top uh, two uh, seed queries which are very uh, similar in topic to this particular seed query? So you can use this based on a based on the Euclidean distance between the seed queries to merge uh, three seed queries together to form a canonical query. The example here. IBM DB2, it's a you know, tamper which occurs, let's say, more than 500 times in the document collection, and also database which occurs more than 500 times. And in the, sem in the semantic space, if these two are together, that means uh, you know, they are topically uh, related, uh, so we can combine them to create a new query, a canonical query, IBM DB2 database. So the canonical query representation, you know, the, the use of canonical query is to um, 
one is that you have several seed queries that map to this canonical query and also uh, this the canonical queries are going to act as a semantically related surrogate query for the user query okay so we have a set of con con we know uh, how to con create the set of canonical queries from a document collection that's first step so that's done let's move on to the next step uh, creating pd query sets so the, the way we define the plausible uh, uh, deniable query sets with you know, k queries, uh, we need to uh, have a procedure for creating that set. That's the next step. Okay. So the way we do it right now is to create, you know, create a static linkage between k queries, uh, k canonical queries. So any one of the queries will give you the k minus other uh, cover queries. So it's a it's basically a clustering problem you know you have a set of canonical queries and you want to cluster them so that in each cluster there are at least k queries and also all the k queries for, are from different topics and uh, we have the other criteria that all the k queries should be equally plausible okay okay so this is a clustering problem and the first uh, thing is to define this uh, you know dissimilarity function uh, between any point you know that's how we cluster the uh, points together and the dissimilarity function between queries here is based on three measures one is the euclidean distance uh, so semantic so we have the uh, criteria that you know semantically similar queries are together you know they are closer in the semantic space so we are going to use euclidean distance to capture that you know, if they are close in the semantic space probably they are uh, the topic uh, is similar right so in a, in a single PD query set, we want to have two queries which are uh, different in the topics. So the Euclidean distance is going to capture that uh, measure. So second thing is the magnitude. Uh, the popular queries will have, you know, popular terms will have uh, high frequency in the document collection, which leads to high magnitude in the uh, semantic space. So we are going to use the magnitude for comparing the uh, popularity of uh, queries. The third criteria we use the neighborhood count. So this is the important one, you know. So we said we want to put equally plausible queries together, right? So how do you measure plausible uh, plausibility in, uh, in a for a query? So here we employ, you know, so we take a query log, a large query log, which consists of all the, uh, you know, actual users' uh, queries collected over a period of time, and for each canonical query. Uh, we create hypercube uh, around that uh, you know, semantic the the point of uh, in the semantic space, and we compute how many user queries are around or in the neighborhood of this canonical query. So, for example, if you have a document collection with basket, you know, uh, uh, basketball, and I have a query Los Angeles Lakers, and if the semantic space uh, is going to put the Los Angeles Lakers among basketball, that means Los Angeles Lakers is, is, a, is a famous query. And it's more plausible query because there are many queries um, around the space of Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, that's the idea. So we, we want to use the existing query log to uh, kind of uh, give an indication of, of whether a canonical query is going to be more plausible or not. Okay, that's a neighborhood count. <coughs> Okay, so the dissimilarity measure, the score, is a combination of three, uh, uh, three individual normalized scores. 
So again, the D1 captures the Euclidean distance. Uh, if uh, if two queries are if two canonical queries are apart, that means the topic is different. We are going to uh, make the dissimilarity as zero or you know lower dissimilarity. Again, the magnitude and neighborhood count. Here we want to have the uh, if you look at D3, we want to have similar uh, neighborhood count. In that case, if they are similar. Uh, D3 will be zero. That means you know we have a less uh, dissimilarity if they have a similar neighborhood count. Okay. Any questions? Okay. Okay. So the clustering algorithm is a simple one we have implemented. It's uh, a simple agglomerative and you know, a level by level uh, clustering algorithm. So the input to the algorithm is the set of canonical queries and also uh, K. K is basically the number of uh, queries that you issue in place of a single user query. So to explain it, you know, so the, f the very first level you have all the kind of individual canonical queries, and the next level you pair up the canonical queries which are closer uh, based on the distance uh, dissimilarity function we defined before, and you build up you know level by level. So this is the you know, kind of a rep pictorial uh, representation of what's happening here. So the first level you have all the canonical queries, and in the next level you map, you f just find the uh, pair of canonical queries which, uh, which has the uh, the lowest uh, dissimilarity score, and you you know based on uh, the same criteria you build on this, uh, you merge the uh, clusters level by level, and finally it will lead to uh, you know in this particular case four PD query sets. So if k is four or less than four, you you can stop here, right? Okay. So we we know now how to construct a you know, set of canonical queries and also uh, creating the speedy query set for uh, to be issued to the search engine. So next question is, as a user, I want to issue a query. Now in this system, what happens? So this is the third step. Sorry. Okay. So we know a way to convert the user query vector to uh, the semantic space or the topic space. So the, the, the formula we have already seen before. And so basically you find a canonical query, uh, query which is very similar to the uh, user query. You know, it captures what you want. So that's, that's a query you want to issue to the search engine so that you get what you want. And also you hide, you get the anonymity. Right? So we use the measure uh, the quotient similarity uh, for finding the best canonical query that you want to issue. So we go through the you know, set all the canonical queries and find uh, the canonical query which uh, has the maximum quotient similarity. And next step is to find the PD query set that uh, contains this canonical query. So you want to issue that uh, set of K queries instead of your original user query. So that's the Okay. Again, uh, to illustrate, you know, what's happening here, the user, the first step, so user creates, uh, you know, user wants to issue a query k q, and uh, the q is submitted to the PDS system, and you get set of k queries back. All the k queries are issued to the search engine, and the search engine will reply with the results for you know all the k queries, not one query, because the search engine at this point doesn't know what is your actual query. So it's going to send you results for all the k queries, right? 
So again, to note, you know, uh, to remark here, uh, you know, it doesn't affect the business model, the advertisement uh, business model here, because uh, the search engine knows K queries and it can supply the the advertisement uh, advertisements for each of the K queries, right? So it's not that it doesn't know what you're doing, and it knows, okay, one of the case, uh, one of the K queries is, is your actual user query. So the search engine has the ability to uh, send the advertisements for related to each of the K queries. And the user, no, uh, based on Q, the small Q, the user has the ability to uh, filter out the results relevant to uh, the, the original query queue. Okay, so again, go back to this uh, whole definition of plausible deniable search. The deniability uh, is because uh, you know the one the canonical query already provides one level of anonymity, right? Because you are going to stand, you, you are going to issue only standard queries, not you know any constructed uh, form of user query. And also plausibility, you know, it's a it's a more um, I mean that. There has to be some kind of a human study to see, you know, what queries are plausible. But the way we are doing it, uh, you know, based on the fact that, okay, the, a particular query is uh, is semantically related to many queries already issued by users from a query log. So, the plausibility is also captured here. Okay. So the now question is, you know, so you don't allow the users to form any uh, any query, right? Because we are going to issue only standard queries. How good are the uh, canonical queries? You know, do they fetch what the users want? So that's the most important question now. So I'm going to report uh, uh, experimental uh, results from a document collection. Uh, basically, the document collection is a set of web pages uh, taken from uh, DMOS categorized uh, web documents. Basically, this collection has um, category assigned uh, by human uh, editors. Uh, for each web page, so uh, here we we took only uh, around 300k documents, and it uh, created uh, about uh, you know more than uh, one million unique terms. And the documents uh, belong to uh, one of uh, three topics: you know, computer, computer, or science, or sports. Okay, so and the. The computers had almost uh, 115k documents, and it's kind of similar across all these three topics. And also, after performing the SVD, you know, for the canonical, the semantic space, we kept only 30 dimensions. Okay, so the first step is to create the set of canonical queries, and it created this. This procedure created uh, 2.6 million C queries. Uh, when the uh, threshold, the frequency threshold was set to uh, 500, and the it created almost one uh, million canonical queries, where you know the length of the queries are listed uh, in the table. Also, you should note that the average canonical query is query length is 3.7, which is almost uh, four, right? So you can see there are a lot of uh, queries with three or four terms. Uh, when compared to you know six terms or uh, two terms. Okay, the first question is uh, how many unique documents? So you have the whole documents with 300k uh, documents, right? And how many documents uh, the canonical queries 
uh, can reach. You know, when you when you issue the canonical query as a you know, as a query, uh, do they reach all the documents in the collection? That's the first question. So if you use the TFID for TFID based uh, simple retrieval scheme, you see that um, you know in the x-axis we plot the number of documents retrieved for each canonical query. So in the x-axis, it you know so we compare the uh, performance between 100 documents retrieved, 200 documents retrieved, and 500 documents retrieved. So if you retrieve 500 documents per canonical query, you can reach almost you know more than 99.4 percentage of the documents in the collection. Okay, the next question is okay. Some documents are not at all reachable, even if you uh, even if you retrieve 500 documents per canonical query, and why it is that? If you look at the unreachable documents and their uh, length, basically number of terms in that documents, it's low compared to the general collection. So the average document length, you know, number of terms, uh, in the whole collection is 360. But the average document length of uh, unreachable documents, you know, the documents which are not reachable by canonical queries is just uh, 35. So that explains why the doc some of the documents are not at all reachable because they don't have many terms to even be a you know, significant document. Okay, second question. So the other aspect is the retrieval performance. So here, instead of uh, submitting your original user query, you are going to submit something else, right? And does it fetch? You know, what happens to the uh, relevant pages that you get? Uh, here, in the x-axis, we show, okay, so using the original query, we, we retrieve 20 documents, yeah, 20 documents, we treat them as the relevant documents. Okay. Then using the canonical query, uh, we retrieve 100, 200, 300, 400, and 500 documents, and find uh, how, many, how many documents overlap in the top 20, okay? So if you look at it, if you re retrieve the very first column, uh, where it indicates uh, the x-axis, where it indicates uh, zero, uh, for hundred, when you retrieve hundred documents, uh, almost fifteen percentage of the queries uh, don't have any match, you know, zero match in the top twenty. But it, it decreases, you know, zero match decreases as you increase, uh, you get more documents, you retrieve more documents uh, for each canonical query. And if you look at the last uh, uh, last uh, column or to the right, the end of the x-axis where it indicates 20, um, for 500, it retrieves almost uh, you know, 15 percentage. Uh, it retrieves 20 uh, of the top documents, which is very similar to uh, what you get from your original user query. So you can see if you retrieve more documents, you can um, you can get it's very similar to what um, you get from uh, using your original user query. Okay, the second aspect of this is the topic diversity. So we said we, when you construct this PD query set, uh, we said our the query should be from different topics, right? You know. So well, here we have three categories uh, of web pages. One is in you know, computer science and uh, sports, right? So. Uh, we measured you know, what is the topic diversity in a PD query set uh, constructed based, you know, by the algorithm, right? So 
in the x-axis we show the t diversity, topic diversity based, you know, it's a kind of a normalized uh, measure we get from the DMOS categories. So as it sh shows, you know, around 85 percentage of the PD query sets that are coming out of this uh, algorithm uh, have, you know, more than 50 percentage of uh, topic diversity. That explains, you know, uh, different uh, queries from different topics are put together in a single PD query set based on the by the clustering algorithm. Okay, so I'm going to almost uh, finish up now. Okay, so the PDA system, you know, the summation of uh, more than you know, K queries can be used along with other tools we already saw, you know, private web search uh, or even you know, onion routing um, so that you, you, you don't release your IP address to the search engine, etc. It can be used with those uh, tools also. And the future work, uh, for example, can I, you know, so we, we are saying we want to build all possible queries through uh, this canonical queries uh, generation, you know, generating um, algorithm. But uh, how to do it efficiently? You know, currently for a collection of 300k documents, we have almost 1 million um, canonical queries, right? But for web search, you know, it, it's a huge collection. It might increase the set of possible canonical queries to a uh, too large to maintain. So how do you generate all possible canonical queries efficiently? That's uh, one aspect of this uh, feature work. And also improving retrieval performance. So you're going to replace your original query with a you know, different query, then how do you make sure that uh, your, the transformed query will bring you what the original query uh, uh, will bring you. So you want to have a maximum overlap in that. So that's another thing, aspect of this uh, canonical query uh, problem. The other thing is a sequential query. So the web search is also, you know, the, the query log usually contains several sequentially edited queries. You know, you search for uh, something, then you edit it, right? You refine your query as you go along. So in that case, what happens? You know, how the PDA system should work, it's again something uh, for the future work. Uh, so if somebody, um, uh, takes a look at uh, sequential edited queries, uh, can they figure out the actual queries even though they, they are using PDS system. So that's again uh, something that uh, we are working on. Okay, thanks. Any questions? Okay, then thank you.